up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 66 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast. We're a group of lifelong gamers who get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your fearless leader, Pete and Bessie, and the boys are back to clown. What's up, boys? Hey, good hey, to be hey, back. Hello. Nice of you to I join have. us. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, uh, I I know. You guys threw some serious shade at me last week because, you, you know, I wasn't here to lead you. And ultimately, like, I understand. Without me, you're like three chickens with no heads and no direction. So, you know, I, I get it. You were, you were upset with me because I was gone. Don't worry. I'm back. I'm here to lead the party. So we're good to go. I don't know, man. We did two pretty good shows without you. I'm kind of thinking... Uh... <laughs> I really think that Pete is like the tuxedo mask of this show. Yeah, I'm starting to think so too. <laughs> Wait, I don't get it. Oh, uh, so in Sailor Moon, tuxedo mask would frequently show up after the day had been saved and been like, "Look, I did it." Ah, uh, yeah, that is Pete. You know, um, fine with that strategy, I'm just I'm gonna leave. You guys can just do the show and I'll just I'll just reap the benefits. I'll just call myself the producer. I'll call myself the executive producer and creator and you guys can just do all the work. You're listening to episode sixty six of the video game pals. <laughs> alright, alright. So enough of that. Uh we all know how much you miss me and how vitally important I am to the the flow of the show. So I'll introduce you. I'm joined today by my full party, made up of our uh, rogue, Mr. Andy Brown. Oh, and the rogue? That's nice. You got daggers and stab stuff. Sounds like me. Yeah, like me in the back. Yeah. Uh, our necromancer, Mr. Robert Thompson. Yeah, you nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, our paladin, Mr. Sean Bartley. That'd be me. The fuck is a paladin doing hanging out with a rogue and necromancer and Pete? Whoa, 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 whoa. we don't discriminate. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Jesus? It takes all types. Jesus yeah. was rocking with everybody, dude. He was a necromancer. Have you ever heard of he Jesus? He came back from the dead. Yeah, bro. Let me tell you the good word. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was that was Sean's strategy as a paladin? He's like, have you heard of Jesus? Let me tell you about him. Yeah. <laughs> who's the who's the, the good god in Warcraft? Um they're they're well. <laughs> it's 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 similar to like you know Marvel and, and DC and stuff. There's no god of gods type thing, you know. You could follow right. the light, the light, yeah, which yeah. is not a you know not a personified thing. So who are you repping if you're a paladin? The light. Like who? Where's that's all right. Well then, have you heard of the light, Andy Brown? <laughs> I, I have now. Have you heard of? Thanks Luther? for tuning in to episode one of the Warcraft Lore Pals. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about this uh, that this episode, uh, but before that, uh, we're going to kick the show off the way we sometimes do by talking about what we're playing this week, and uh, for the better part of the last two weeks, Andy and I have been sinking our teeth into a little JRPG called Octopath Traveler. So I'm I'm really eager to talk shop about it. You and I yeah. have talked a, we've talked a little bit about it um, since we both started playing, but we kind of wanted to save the meat of our conversation about it here. Uh, so why don't why don't you start off? Because I know you're a little bit farther than I am. So I'm about 15 hours in at this point. I did all the chapter ones okay. for all the characters and a couple of the chapter twos. And I really want to love this game. But it is doing its best to make me not love it. Like, it's got so, so many, like, little things that drive me crazy about it. Um, The... 
uh, absolutely no connection between the eight stories um, is terrible. And because they set it up so you can pick whichever one of the main characters you want to start with as your, like, you know, your character, as it were, and then you have to go around and get all the other ones, you're playing the kind of lame first hour of any JRPG for ten hours, and it drives me crazy. Um, the combat difficulty is in this weird spot where it's not hard, but it's not easy enough that you can, like, tune out and grind. It's just kind of there and annoying. The random encounter, like, slider is a little bit too high for me. The boss fights are similarly not very hard, just long. And, like, it's still a good game. I really like the systems they set up, and I'm, I'm digging on some of it. But it it trips and stumbles so much. Yeah, so I'm I'm definitely warmer on it than Andy is, but I think a lot of the criticisms that uh, that you've highlighted are kind of the things that um, that really stick out for me as well. You know, like I think like if we were going to be like assigning um, you know like a number value or something like that, for me, the game is is like a hard probably like eight point five, and if there were a few things done differently. You know, um, it would it would probably be like an all time great, and it's unfortunate that it falls just short of that. Um, not that that's like any reason to like if you're interested in the game at all, you should definitely pick it up. You know, like it's it's a really high quality JRPG, and I think systems wise, um, it's it's like immaculate. It's the best turn based RPG that I've played probably since uh, Pokemon Platinum. On the DS, that's a hot take. I don't think I agree with. Uh, that's that's definitely where where I land on it. Like from a purely systems based perspective, you know, like I I really really like the combat in Octopath. I think the the way that it takes um, elements from like a bunch of different really good turn based systems and builds them into something that feels like very unique. Um, and just that has so many permeations. Like, I really like the job system. I think all of the classes are really interesting and unique. And the fact that you're able to, like, unlock subclasses and, like, mix up your party in that way so that you can eventually kind of take advantage of all of the different, you know, jobs that are available if you if you build the right team uh, is really cool. And I, I love the weakness system. I think the shield system as like an evolution on the kind of uh, brave and default system that we saw, and you know, originally done in Bravely Default, um, is really, really, really smart. And uh, there's a lot of strategy to it. And I think that uh, one of my big criticisms is that I agree with you that there's a difficulty problem. Uh, and I, I think that's true of, you know, like, there, there's no excuse in my mind for a game that's based on spreadsheets to not have a difficulty meter. You know, like, I should be able to just crank up the difficulty if I want to. And I think, for me, if every fight was a little harder and there were less frequent fights overall, it would be a way more satisfying system. And that's really, ultimately, the problem. Uh, and it's, for me, not enough to turn me off because I think the game also does a good ex a good job of uh, establishing a lot of like side dungeons and side areas that are optional to explore that allow you to create challenge for yourself. You know, like I was getting bored doing uh, the like 
round one of story stuff, like Andy said, and I didn't want to do 10 hours of the first open, you know, uh, opening hour of a JRPG. So I went and found um, this forest that was like a danger level 15, which means you should probably have all your characters around level 15. And I went there when I was like level 13, you know, and just like fought it out. And it becomes a really tight, intense strategy game then. And uh, that's when it's been most satisfying for me. And it's just unfortunate that that isn't what every fight is like, because it really, it easily could be. Right, yeah. Um, I think that this game's an interesting sort of counterpoint to Final Fantasy XV, in my mind, where we've talked a lot about how Final Fantasy XV is a mediocre at best game, but it has the special sauce and is, like, really compelling despite all of its lots and lots of flaws. Whereas nothing in Octopath is as big of a flaw as any of the problems with Final Fantasy fifteen, but it doesn't have that special sauce for me. Can you, you don't See, have that a cat I disagree with in Octopath? See, there you no, go. There's like, no that's the like problem. cat feeding side quest. The world feels so generic and kind of bland. Yeah, I think I think for me, I don't agree with you that it doesn't have the special sauce. I think it's just different because for me, like um, the first. Uh, like Final Fantasy 15 carries the entire experience on how good the first hour and a half of it is story wise and like special sauce wise, you know, as it were, like everything else is piggybacking on those moments that are good. And I think for me with Octopath, like it, it feels very much like, um, a lot of how I felt about like bravely default and a lot about how i feel a lot of jrpgs in general go down for me where like the story and the dialogue and a lot of those things are not good but they're not the thing that sell me on it you know like i really like the aesthetic of octopath a lot the art is beautiful the music is really good um i think some of the characters are really interesting even when their dialogue is you know classic jrpg fair which is not good you know i don't think the dialogue in any jrpg is good for the most part um like there's always issues of translation and like issues of just like you know um kind of like hamminess like that's something that i think is kind of par for the course you know so like those things being not great don't necessarily like stick out to me you know i never really expected them to be good you know but like the fact that like the overall package is super tight and aesthetically pleasing like really works for me um and i think like the thing that's most impressive to me about it is i really like how there is significant interaction between your characters their abilities and the overworld like that's super cool the metroidvania-ness of it all you know where like so for for you sean and thompson like every character has an ability um that impacts like uh the map instead of battle so like for example like the thief can steal from every npc in the game uh and you know that can play into obviously you can get items that way but like you have percent chances to steal so if you fail like your reputation in town can get fucked up and stuff like that or you know like there might be a guy standing in front of a door that you want to go into but you can't get by him so you can use like the knight character to like challenge him to a duel and if you beat him he's knocked unconscious and then you can go into that building that you couldn't go into before um so there's lots of like there's lots of really cool systems like that that 
I always love in RPGs, and I think those things are really good. And there's so many things that it does right that it does still for me succeed, and I, I find myself more interested in playing it than I was in Final Fantasy 15. But I don't, I don't really give a fuck about any of the characters in terms of like who they are as like people, except for one or two. You know, where I'm I'm really engaged in their story and I'm interested to see where it goes and, and what comes of it. And the rest of them are just kind of like a means to an end for me to keep experiencing a game that I'm enjoying aesthetically and systems wise, you know. And that sucks, because if, if that was a little bit better, I think the game would really be elevated in a super meaningful way. So aesthetically i i like most of it but i don't like the environments and i like hate the weird lighting filter that's over everything oh i love the lighting yeah i i i'm super into the lighting and so what do you mean by the environments like you don't like 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 the map stuff like i just think the maps are super bland and like i have no interest in exploring this world or finding out more of it oh i just totally disagree man like i love how every region has a really distinct flair and like a different musical palette that's inspired by like what that region would actually be like. Um, I really love something that the game does that I think is really smart is it does a, a lot of times where like it'll tease a part of the map for you where like you'll go out into, you know, a, a new section of, of a forest, right? And you'll see, oh, there's a treasure chest over here somewhere. And, like, you're going to have to go this weird winding out-of-your-way way way to get there and and find this other section that you wouldn't have experienced otherwise because there was that little carrot on the stick for you, you know? Um, And that, I think, has always been really fun uh, because I just like... I like exploring maps anyway, so when I do have an incentive of, like, oh, hey, there's something over here, why don't you go left instead of right? Um, And I, I think it does a really good job of doing that and never making it, like, too out of my way. You know, like, whenever I do it, it always feels like, oh, it was worthwhile, I got this thing out of it, I got some more experience, cool. Yeah. Instead of if, I feel like less funneled than in most RPGs. That's, that's fair, but it's less like, I don't know, it feels like every, every road and dungeon is exactly that, it's, here's the path, here's the way to turn off to walk back to that treasure chest you saw. I mean, I don't know, man, because, like, a lot of times, sometimes it's not just a treasure chest. Sometimes it's an optional dungeon or, you know, like, there's, uh, like, that section I talked about earlier where it's, like, you go into this random forest where there's a bunch of high-level monsters and right, yeah. a bunch of loot, you know? And for me, like, those that those are rewarding things to find. Um, and my, my, like, my sameness and blandness wasn't about, like the map design so much as it is like the the world design like i've been playing this game for almost 20 hours and i couldn't tell you very much if anything at all about like the fantasy world the game set in and like i don't really care to find out that i that i would agree with um and and i think that's that's definitely a, a story thing like the world building is not there yep and on another story level, it's got a huge, like, tone problem where it can't figure out what, like, it wants to be doing at any given point, if it wants you to take it seriously or not. Hmm. Yeah, well, and I think that, like, plays into the fact that, like, all the character, like, some of the characters have very, very, like, serious motivations, and some of them are, like, really stupid. 
you know? Yeah, and um, and even within the stories, though, it's like Cyrus's chapter two gets so dark for no good reason, just like would, out of nowhere. Yeah, and like I, I know uh, our our friend Mike, who we've mentioned quite a bit, is uh, is really into it, and uh, was just telling me that like in chapter three, Ophelia's story gets super dark out of nowhere and stuff like that. And I, I think for me, the biggest problem is still definitely what you said about the interplay between the stories, though. Yeah, where like there uh like it, it's it's frustrating to me that like so i know you picked the thief character as your first character right yeah. but for me for me he was like my third or fourth so like in his cutscene, he has this moment where he literally talks to two characters where and he's like i don't need any help like i, yep. I got this by myself and then immediately after that if you're meeting him as a new character he's like all right i guess i could use some backup and i'm like what the fuck like <laughs> So there's times where, like, the way that they built the game so you can kind of do whatever you want does get in its own way. But I think for me, the fact that, like, I've kind of already, like, accepted that the story is just, like, a means to an end. Like, it's kind of, like, whatever. Like, I I don't, I wish it was better in those regards, but the other things that I like are the reasons I'm playing, you know? Like, I really like it for the systems and, like, the aesthetic and the vibe and the exploration more than anything. Um, But... You know, I think just to wrap this up and move on, uh, I I really like the game a lot. You know, I know, like, I definitely have a lot of criticisms for it, but I think it's because I really like what it is so much. And I think the being able to see how close it is to excellence as opposed to just being a really great game is disappointing. But um, I think it's it's hands down one of the best games on Nintendo Switch. And if you were interested in it, I, I would really recommend giving it a shot. I definitely agree with that last part. If you're interested, definitely check it out. There's a three-hour demo you can pick up on the Switch eShop and, like, get your hands on it. Um, I like the systems. It's a lot of fun to play. But I don't know. I don't think it, for me at least, has really flirted with excellence at all. Like, it's flirted with being a really good game. But it's 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 a, a decent game, is where I'd put it. I'd give it, like, a 3 out of 5. Yeah, I, I think for me, like I said, I'd, I'd give it a... If we're doing it on a, you know, 20-point yeah. scale, 8.5. Um, if you wanted to go, like, stars or whatever out of 5, yeah. like, I'd say 4. You know? Solid 4. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's de- definitely good, shy of great. And um, there's, there's just something to be said, I think, for how for me anyway how high quality like the systems are and and like that to me is always the thing i'm most interested in 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 a jrpg is how good is the is the turn-based combat because i love i love turn-based games and there just aren't a lot of them anymore um and this is by far the tightest one that i've played in quite some time um so i i definitely you know, while I agree with a lot of your criticisms, I definitely think it's a little bit better. So if you find yourself more on my side of the fence than Andy's usually, I'd say definitely you don't want to miss this one. If you're more on his side of the fence, you know, go check out the demo, see what you think about it. If it tickles your fancy, I think you'll have a pretty good idea if you're interested in it after the first three hours, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I would at the very least recommend you go get the demo. Give it a shot. Um, and just, this was going to be in the news, but since we were having this big Octopath talk, I wanted to just throw this out there. Um, they announced that they had shifted a million copies worldwide in the first three weeks. So congratulations on that. That's so many games. (laughs) Yeah. 
for this for this game too. You know, it's like uh, we were talking about it off mic, Andy, and you said it's like for a niche. Uh, console exclusive on a fairly new console. A third party that's a, console exclusive too. Yeah, that's a that's a great number. Um, and you got to think not only is Square really happy with that, and they're thinking about what's next. Other people got to be paying attention that there's money to be made on the Switch, and I imagine we'll see some more games like this. Not necessarily genre wise, but size and execution wise uh, from publishers like uh, you know your EAs, your Ubisofts, whoever out there. Um, and I mean, I just hope I hope that this is the sign for more games like this because I I love this game, and uh, you got to think they're making money hand over fist on it. They're charging sixty dollars for a game that definitely didn't have a sixty dollar game budget. Um, so good for them. Uh, it's pretty fucking sick. So, and I was happy to uh, throw down my money because I want more games like that. So, um, yeah. So, uh, did anybody else have anything they wanted to bring up this week? Sean, I know you, you were talking about your adventures in Breath of the Wild last week. Did you want to give us an update? Oh, I haven't played it yet since... God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> I always miss all the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. That's what happens when you're gallivanting elsewhere. <laughs> You know, I was uh, I was out at San Diego Comic Con, Sean, with Phil. <laughs> uh, tune into this week's episode of the Comics Pals to get part one of that joke. Uh, so, um, with that, uh, I'm going to take us into our rotating segment this week. We're back with another random question of the week. So. Uh, I, for whatever reason, I was thinking about spinoff games a lot this week. Uh, you know, I, I, we just had Captain Toad Treasure Tracker come out pretty recently. I know we've got that Luigi's Mansion around the corner. And, uh, you know, I, we, I played a lot of spinoff games last year with, like, the Dishonored spinoff. We had one from Uncharted. So I was just thinking, like, what supporting character would you guys most like to see get get a starring role in a game? You know, it doesn't need to be their own franchise. You know, it, it could be just whatever. But, like, who's who's that, like, tertiary character that you've got a lot of love for? Or, or a great sidekick or something like that that you want to see get their own spotlight? Yeah. I play Final Fantasy XV 2, Prompto Quest. <laughs> that exists! Yeah, that's they the thing, the man. DLC. All four of them got a Yeah, I know they all thing. got the DLCs, but I want full-on Prompto 80-hour <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, like, I'd do that. Like Final Fantasy Snap, but you're prompto. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, Final Fantasy Snap. I'm surprised that they didn't put that out, considering they put out literally every other piece of DLC imaginable for that fucking game. Right, like, that could be a pretty cool, like, VR spinoff, too, I think. Like, an on-rails prompto taking pictures through, the, like, Final Fantasy worlds in stunning 4K. I would much rather play that than the fucking fishing game that I don't even think ever <laughs> came out. <laughs> That as far as fishing mini games go, which they love in Japan for some reason, Final Fantasy Fifteens was I. Yeah, it was pretty fun. I had a good time with it. It was fine, I guess. Yeah, uh, I also like taking I, pictures I just, and finding the ghost lady. That was fun too. Pic- pictures are, are fine. I don't mind photo modes, but fishing. Anytime that you make me fish in a game, I fucking hate you. Yeah, I know. It's because you're a hater. But <laughs> uh, dude, fishing is boring as fuck. No, it's not. Like, <laughs> 
Wow. It's fun in real life because the real life part of fishing that's enjoyable is being on a boat with people you like and drinking beer. And you can't do any of those things when you're playing a single player video game. Yes, you can. You can have the, the mind You can do both of those things. Yeah, you can also do a single player video game and some beer on a boat with your friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair. In that In that context, I might enjoy it. That's what you got to do. Just bring your PlayStation and Final Fantasy 15 out with your dad. He'll go real fishing. You go Noctis fishing. Next time they try to make me fish in a video game, I'm just going to pause it and be like, all right, I got to get somebody over here with a six pack. Let's go. This is a tough one. Uh, only A lot of the good answers have been done. Yeah. That was why I asked it. I figured it would be tough. Well, I got one, but it's not great, I guess. Go for it. <laughs> Uh, anyone from any Bioshock game because every story about how those people got there is pretty goddamn cool and uh, I would play any bit of Rapture or Columbia from a different perspective a million times over again so that'd be fun for me I could definitely fuck with a Bioshock game set during like the fall of Rapture that would be pretty cool kind of that happened sort of with the burial at sea one where it was like just starting to like tilt you know um oh yeah yeah i'm just talking about like anyone else like any of the main people like you could even play like one of the you know higher ups like one of the leaders or whatever you know would be fun Um, yeah an andrew ryan type yeah yeah just to like i don't know have some agency in that and i just love the series i would play anything with it all right tight what about you shawnee uh, I think, I, th- I think, okay, so first a question. Has there ever been a game in which Zelda was the, the lead? No. Okay, what about the CDIs? Isn't well, okay, there was one, yeah, like Tom's, there was a CDI Zelda game, which is a really interesting story if you're not aware of it, but uh, there was a whole weird rights thing where... Nintendo had made a uh, a deal with Philips that also included them being allowed to publish, I think it was three Zelda games, on the Philips CDI, which was a terrible failed console. And there's three notoriously horrible Zelda games that are not recognized by Nintendo, and they want you to forget that they ever existed. And I think for two of them, you play as Zelda. Wow. All right. Well, then that counts that out, then. So then my, my next answer... No, 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 that doesn't count it out. You could totally still say, like, a real Zelda game. <laughs> All right, yeah. I, then in that case, I would love to see a Zelda game where she, you know, saves herself. You know, like, kind of the opposite. Like, she's captured, and she has to break herself out and get back home, whereas typically Link has to start at home and get to her. Uh, and yeah, she she is chic, right? So she could there could be some kind of element there where she turns into chic at certain points, and it could be sure. a, a fun dungeon crawler without um, the typical upgrades because she's not going to get a master sword or whatever. She could have other things or nothing and just kind of have to use her wits, and it could be more about that kind of thing, puzzles and strategy versus just brute stealth. Force. Yeah, stealth. Except when she turns and into yeah, Sheik, which could be some kind of a buff you get occasionally. It's like super. I mean, sane. shit. Even even yeah. that could work in like a stealth way too, though, right? Because Sheik's like a ninja, so it's like having her be like, oh, like if you take out enemies like before they see you, you do like twice as much damage, and they're way easier to kill. But like when you get in a one-on-one fight, it's harder, you know, like stuff yeah. like that. 
Yeah, I think that'd be fun. I, that was that was one of my two picks too. Uh, was like I, I thought it would be cool to just have kind of like a gender swap thing of just like oh like Link is captured for whatever fucking reason he's fucking frozen in carbonite and Zelda's got to go save him you know like That'd be legit. but it could even it could be a, a mix of the two things we talked about right like Ganon captures them and separates them super far. And, like, he's, like, frozen or whatever the fuck, and she's supposed to be getting frozen, but she gets away right before then, and then she's got to go from the ground up and get to the other fucking side of the world and find Link, you know? Yep. That'd be tight. Yeah. And you had a second answer, Sean? Oh, uh, well, just because I didn't know if that was going to work, I, I thought of a Brock game from Pokemon. I always thought, oh, shit. yeah, like That's Pokemon solid. Gray. Like I always thought it'd be cool to play from Brock's perspective. You know, he's always f- making food for Pokemon and stuff like that. I just thought his life was pretty interesting. He's got all those siblings. Like, like there's a cool game in there. Like, I-, I could, I could definitely see it. Dude, I've always thought that it would be really cool to have like a Pokemon breeder game. You yep. know, like that had like some interplay with like the uh, like the main series games where it could be like you know like a dumb little like pet sim kind of game, but you could like actually use it to get like Pokemon that are better competitively and stuff for the main game. Like that would be tight. Yeah, like you could through that game you could get certain moves that Pokemon can't normally learn. Or, you know, right. Stuff yeah. Like that. Right. Yeah. Or, like, you know, have the ability to be, like, oh, like, you can, like, port a Pokemon into your game that has, because you max it out here, it has perfect IVs, and it's already got its EV training done, so you just have it, and it's totally ready to be, like, just leveled up, and it's good, yeah. you know? Like, that would be awesome. I would love something like that. Because um, I would actually legitimately enjoy that as a game, and it would have super awesome competitive uh, applications. Yeah. Dude, they could just make uh, a Pokemon fishing game where you just play as like Misty instead, and you're the leader of the fishing champions. Oh, <laughs> and you spend stop. all your time on the docks and just Why? get the master rod. That's your your best thing to do. Pokemon, let's we were, go fishing. I thought we were friends. <laughs> yeah, they could interact with the, the the throwing your fucking phone across the room mechanic and and get the the fishing rod to work. <laughs> oh my uh, god, that's good. So I, I I had one other answer. Uh, Zelda was like my backup because I thought Andy might use my my primary answer. But I think now we've hit peak meme with it, and I think it's time for Nintendo to capitalize on the love. We, let's get a Waluigi game, guys. I told you. That's it doesn't even matter what it is. It literally doesn't. It could be it could be a WarioWare spinoff. It could be a platformer. It could be. I don't know, whatever. Whatever the I fuck it is. I want to see a spiritual successor to Wind Waker, where Waluigi, like, sets out on a quest on he the 70s. He is the wind. <laughs> oh, God. He's the shadow of a shadow, Dude, man. He can be anything we want. <laughs> I I would be all about it. Like, I whatever it is, let's get him. Let's get him going. Waluigi <laughs> deserves... It's his time. It's the year of the Waluigi. <laughs> I'm into it. Um, I do have one more answer I just thought up while we were talking, though. Okay. I, I would really love, and I don't even like Uncharted, but I'd really love a young Sully game. Dude, I was thinking about that earlier. Um, I was thinking about Uncharted. I would definitely love to play a game as young Sully. That would be great. Or uh, or even, like, a post-Uncharted 4 spinoff, like, that we got last year with, uh, with Sully and, and Sam, Nate's brother, like... That's kind of the implication at the end of Uncharted 4 is, like, they go off and have an adventure, and I'm like, I'd fucking play that. What's up? Like, let's do it. Yeah, that'd be solid. 
I love Sully. Like, he's definitely, like, standout character. Uh, so I, I would be all about it. All right, so if you guys want to let us know uh, which tertiary or supporting characters you want to see get their own games, uh, you can let us know in the comments down below. Hit us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com or follow at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold and give us a tweet. Uh, while you're at it, it would be awesome if you guys could support the show by giving us a like on your platform of choice uh, and a follow if that's an option. Uh, and if we're not on your favorite podcasting platforms, let us know and we will get there, unless it's Spotify, because that's super hard. Uh, if you really want to help out the show, though, you guys can jump over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating where we are currently a five-star rated program. Uh, it really helps us out quite a bit, helps the show get recognized. And if you're a YouTube viewer, uh, you can you know do us a solid by liking the video, subscribing to the channel if you haven't already, and clicking that notification bell so that maybe you'll get alerted when our videos go up. Um... We'll see how that fucking goes, because YouTube's been uh, excellent about delivering the content that you're asking for lately. <laughs> so, uh, and as always, if you guys really want to help us out, the best thing that you can do is just share the show. Uh, if you've got a friend who's into games, who's into comics, into any of the stuff that we do, uh, let them know we're out here and that you are thinking that you think our content is cool and uh, that you think they might enjoy it as well. Hopefully, they will come and join us and become a pal. So, with that, I guess that means it's time for... <laughs> The news! We talking about the news! The news! The news! We talking about the news! Talking about the news. Alright! So, what's going on, everybody? We got, uh... There's a lot of stuff to talk about this week. And, uh, a lot of it is it's pretty choice. So, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to jump into it. And, uh, we're kicking it off with what I thought was probably the most, uh... At least the most surprising piece of news this week. Uh, in reboots I never thought we'd see. Def Jam Vendetta. Maybe returning. Yes. So, uh, right? Yes. It's like, all right, okay. So, uh, let's. So, so here's 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 where we're at with this right now. All started back in June. The Def Jam Twitter uh, put out a tweet where they hypothetically, in all caps, asked fans who they'd like to see grace the cover uh, of like a PS4, you know, reboot for the series, right? And then, uh, this past week, the account sent out an image asking which city that, uh, fans would like to see the game take place in. So nothing's officially been announced yet, but it seems like the series, obviously it seems like they're teasing some kind of a return unless there's just some person at their fucking, you know, social media team that wants to torture us. Yeah. But uh, I did want to point this out. Den of Geeks, uh, Matthew Bird, who's got an article I linked to down below, uh, pointed out that if a new Def Jam game is in development, it likely won't be developed by the original franchise developer, uh, the AK AKI Corporation, uh, because they've gotten out of the like wrestling fighting genre, which used to be kind of their main deal. Uh, they rebranded the company. And, um, you know, they had uh, that same engine that was used in all the classic N64 wrestling games, which was part of why Def Jam was so fucking fun. Uh, so it might mean, might mean you know, we see the, the game shift away from that style. But uh, either way, I'm, I'm very excited about this. Uh, I, I know, Sean, obviously, you got really excited about this. I, I fucking loved Def Jam back in the day. So there's a couple things about this. Number one is that we already got a Def Jam game that was not developed by AKI, which was Def Jam. Yeah, it was like Icon, Icon yes. right? Right. And that okay. game is not very good. It doesn't at all live up to what we got with the original two Def Jam yeah. games. Now, that being said, I definitely think that there is a way to make a very good Def Jam game. 
Uh, I think that the old SmackDown games with their kind of fast, arcadey wrestling style could be fun, that kind of style, but just base it less in pure wrestling and more in kind of street fighting and stuff like that. Um, that that style of game needs to make a comeback, dude. Yeah. People ask for that shit all the time. Those games are so fun! Yeah, the biggest problem with the wrestling games of today is just that they're too... They're too focused on being a simulation of real wrestling. Yeah, right. That's stupid, and those games are too slow. Uh, this this has the potential to be awesome. The roster could be absolutely incredible. I could see Def Jam as a, a very repeatable uh, format. Like, I don't want to see it every year, but I think if every couple years they put out a new Def Jam game and expand upon the roster and stuff like that, that could be a lot of fun. Even just once a generation, you know, like, just one one big Def Jam game, like, you know, every, like, you know, five to eight years or whatever, it's like, yeah, like, and just whoever is the new, you know, blood in hip-hop, like, it's like, it's so, it writes itself, you know? And especially now that, like, there's, like, Twitch culture and, like, you know, a, a, a bigger connection, I think, or, like, an easier connection to, like making it easy for, like, celebrities to, like, play games publicly. Like, how fucking awesome would it be if they put out a new Def Jam and they, like, had a stream to announce it and they had, like, the rapper who's on the cover and whoever is, like, the other biggest name in the game and had them come out and do a reveal where they fucking fight each other with their own characters. Like, that would be sick as fuck! Like, come on! That would be silly. Um... I had a thing to say, but I forgot. Shit. (laughs) Yeah, welcome to my uh, my brain, Andy. Getting old sucks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Too many street fights. You're getting the fucking uh, smarts uh, beat out of you. I, I went out and I trained at Henry Rollins' gym to fight Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. That's why I can't remember what I wanted to say. All I know is that Lupe Fiasco had better make it in this game. And he had better have a ninja sword. Because I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there's a video of Lupe Fiasco's obsessed with martial arts and there's a video of him sort of, like, just in his you know, samurai outfit or whatever, in his backyard doing sword <laughs> techniques and whatnot. That's the best. That's it's awesome. so <laughs> funny, and I really want to be able to do that in a video game. Just, just give me a video game where I can play a rapper that isn't Drake and kick the shit out of Drake. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah, Drake seems like a nice guy. Shots Leave fucking fired, Andy. Jeez. I like Drake, but I still want to beat his ass in a video game. Yeah, like fair. Watch. You Yo. can't play Drake because they put him in a wheelchair, like on Degrassi. <sighs> oh my god. Talking about beating up crippled people now, Andy. God damn. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, either way, man. You know, I hope this isn't just a joke. I would love to see Def Jam come back. I I think this kind of game has been gone for way too long. And if like the WWE doesn't want to do it, nobody else wants to do it. Like, let's fucking let's let Def Jam do it. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I I the, I guess the only I miss arcade brawlers. My only concern is that you know that AKI system. They need to let go of that. I don't see why they just don't sell that because they're not using it as far as I'm aware. 
and it's great. Fire Pro Wrestling is coming out, and it should have that same uh, system. If a Def Jam game is coming out, it should have that system. Just sell it. Dude, like, and if not, like, they need to just, like, somebody needs to just crack that code. You know, just, like, just make a new one, you know? Like, because that's, that's, like, we're in the age of that shit. Like, if somebody doesn't want to make the game, you make the game, you know? And it's, like, you can get away with that shit now. Like, how many weeks ago was it we talked about that indie game where they're, like, yo, we want to bring back, like, like, you know, like, Skate. Like, we want to make Skate 3 because EA won't make Skate 3. And it's, like, yeah, it's, like, we just need somebody to fucking be the first one to do it and bring it back, you know? And it's just, like, hey. There's a viable way to make a game like this in 2018. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, Fire Pro Wrestling World came out last December and is apparently a very good old school like wrestling game. Oh, so when you're the Undertaker, can you actually pull out like a tombstone and kill people with it, like in those old I games? Don't, I don't know. That, I haven't played it. But those I've games heard... were developed by Acclaim. That's a different. Oh shit! But I, love I remember those playing two. that one where you're like doink the clown and you could just yep. fucking screw people. And oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those those were fun as hell. There was only like twelve people, but they all had like actual like super Special moves and yeah. yeah, real fun shit, man. Um, well. Andy, you were making a point. Oh, I was saying that if if you're looking for something with that old school wrestling flavor, apparently Fire Pro Wrestling World is very good. I haven't played it. Um, I really wanted to check that out. Yeah, the, but the, it like it looks like it's running on a PS One. But the, you know, the problem better. with Fire Pro Wrestling World is that again, it doesn't have that old school uh, system, and so it it looks the part, sort of, but it doesn't actually play the part. And you can tell mm-hmm. if you watch the gameplay, it it's not the same. And you know, it doesn't have to be. That doesn't mean it's not good. It just means that if you're looking for that exact feel, you won't get that. But those Fire Pro Wrestling games are fun. If that game has online multiplayer we should definitely pick it up and do a video if not you guys gotta come visit me and thompson and make a video because that would be so fun i'd love to do like a fatal four-way in that fucking game <laughs> i know it's got like a really deep like character creation system and oh. you can make basically any wrestler oh we're doing it let's go we're fucking doing oh it. my god yeah you guys I can't wait we to gotta make do cow, we'll do He's coming I want to do a whole. We got to do four episodes. Each of us will make a fucking monster monstrosity of a character, and then we'll just fight it out. Cow man, it's utter madness. You better watch out. <laughs> talking about the fatal four way, or are you talking about my udder with all of its its milk? You know, there you go. Oh no. Yeah, it's gonna be a dude who That's just like is white gross. and black spotted, and just like fucking I don't know, just really ridiculous characters. Utter dis- utter destruction. Well, the, exactly. game, the game comes out this month for PS4. Comes oh, out it looks like we're getting it. So yo, let's do it, boys. You guys won't recognize ninety percent right. of the wrestlers in it. That's fine. Yeah, who cares? That's Whatever. fine. It's got a character creator. That's all that matters. He just literally can make like forty stupid Soul Calibur characters again in a row, like we used to do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, or like, I I remember uh, I got a a friend of mine, um, I forget which WWE game it was, but it was one of the ones on the 360 era, and uh, there was this whole website that he found where you could just like download the scan codes Mm -hmm. or like get directions, and we made like, like fucking... 50 Marvel characters, like, every Nintendo character, like, like Solid it was, Snake was epic there. as fuck. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was one of the games that actually took advantage of the fact that, like, you had the, uh, that you could, like, put music on your, 
yes. console and then play it in the game. So we were able to like set up like intros that had like the Super Mario, like we had the Super Mario Brothers as a tag team and it would play the Super Mario Brothers theme. Like it was awesome as fuck. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I like, let's go. Just, just let's monster factory that shit and make a bunch of insane characters and fight it out. Um, speaking of which, go check out the episode of Pals Play I did with Phil, where we played, uh, some old Smackdown game from the PS1 and made a giant baby man and a stick boy and made them fight each other. It's good times. <laughs> oh, boy. We basically, we made a dude who looks like Carl from Aqua Teen and Hunger Force if he had gigantism. <laughs> so, go check that shit out. Oh, it was nice, really man. funny. And we were very drunk when we started the episode, so you can imagine <laughs> oh, how that went down. It's 45 minutes of excellence. <laughs> wow. See, Actually, I wasn't what, there Phil, for one episode Phil, of Palace this... and you were drunk as shit? <laughs> That's what happens? It, it, was, it, was, it was fantastic. All right, so moving over to uh, Weeby Weeb Weeb Boy News. Weeby Atlas weeb made a whole... <laughs> we need to get a, uh, a soundbite for that one. Uh, Atlas made a whole lot of Persona announcements, and Andy is a very happy boy. Yeah. All right. So uh, for starters, we got a trailer for Persona Q2 New Cinema Labyrinth. Uh, I, this is that weird offshoot series on the 3DS, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the first Persona Q is a spinoff with... The Etrian Odyssey series, which is like a first-person uh, dungeon crawler, and had the casts of Persona three and four like go through a bunch of um, themed dungeons in a weird side story. That at the end, it's like, oh, none of you will be able to remember this, so it's still canon, even though nobody ever references it again. <laughs> um, and it looks like this is going to be more of the same, but. The Persona 5 cast is there, and the dungeons are movie-themed, which is dope. Like, there was one shot of a bunch of Persona characters running from dinosaurs, and I'm into that. Yeah, it uh, it says it's um, coming out in November 29th in Japan for the 3DS, obviously. Do, do we have any idea when this is coming stateside? It hasn't been confirmed to come stateside yet, but it probably okay. will. Yeah. Um, it probably not till like, you know, some point, uh, next spring or summer. So if not, are you going to import it and play it in Japanese? I mean, probably not, <laughs> but I think about it. I'll import it and then get a fan translation is what I'll do. There you go. But yeah, so you're, you're hype on this one? Oh, for sure. Um, I'm always down for more Persona and I really like the Etrian Odyssey games too. Um, I love like slow grindy dungeon crawlers. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, two series that I love from my favorite developer coming together in the dumbest way possible, and I can't wait. On your favorite handheld that just won't give up. <laughs> it's a little handheld that could, man. It had its yeah, time. Yeah, man, I mean, whatever. I think it's not like it, I've been, you know, no, it's like, it's not bad, It's but it's like, yeah, it could, and it did. Okay, so put it to rest. <laughs> I gotta say, though, uh, I, I mentioned this, I think, to Andy recently off mic because I didn't want to admit it. 
Uh, I've been playing my 3DS a lot lately. Wow, you uh, fucking whenever I'm in my bedroom, Whenever I'm in my bedroom, the only way I can watch TV is on my Switch because I have an extra dock in there, and it's the only, like, video streaming device I have since my Wii U decided it doesn't want to, like, use Hulu or Netflix anymore. So I've been busting out my 3DS and finishing my Pokemon Silver playthrough that I started on episode, like, fucking 10 of this show. <laughs> well, dude, playing Pokemon on 3DS is not playing the 3DS. You're just playing Pokemon, and you have to play the 3DS, you know what I'm saying you're not like Andy saying like the 3ds needs five more life year you know span. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't say it needs another five years lifespan just like if you want to keep making games for it you know keep making games for it don't let no. people tell you nintendo that you need to kill the 3ds kill everything it. needs to be on the switch no yes kill it put it all on the switch now let it let it run uh, a pers- persona q2 will be better on the 3ds than it would have been on the switch because you're going to use the bottom screen the touch screen to draw your map and it's going to be great and fun. I have a question. Uh, yes. So, it says Persona 3 Dancing in Moonlight and Persona 5 Dancing in Starlight. Now, Persona 5, I understand what that is because you were playing that and everybody was playing Right. That. Persona 3 is two games behind it and they're putting out... Persona 3 is a PS2 game from 2006. And, and they're putting out new content. Yes. Because people really like the cast new- so much. Well, yeah. It's not new content for Persona 3. It's just, like, new content with that cast of characters. Because people love Persona 3. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Y- yeah. So that was that was the other piece of news is that we got release dates for Persona 3 uh, Dancing in Moonlight and Persona 5 Dancing in Starlight uh, coming to December 4th, according to Atlas's, Atlas USA's website. Um, and I think we talked about these once before, Sean, but these are like rhythm games. They're like, you just have the Persona characters, and there's music from the games, and, and they like, moves. and they dance, and you just push buttons. And people are into that. Yeah. People rhythm love games these fucking are really, games. Really popular over there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, the, the music in the Persona games is like really good, and they get cool remake or remixes from like people in Japan for the dancing games, and. Like, Persona 4 Dancing All Night was fun for what it was. And pretty successful, uh, by all accounts. And just, like, prints money with DLC, which I'm sure these games will do as well. Right, and they wouldn't have announced two of them at the same time if Persona 4's wasn't successful. Right. Well, now they're giving you the Pokemon choice. It's like, you know, you've got Red and Blue, but you've got 3 and 5... Yeah, 3 and 5's characters. (laughs) That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, it's like... People, people are into it, you know. Like people love those fucking characters, so yeah, why not, right? Give them a, give them a fucking way to get into it. And it's obviously like probably a, a doorway in for people that don't really give a shit about rhythm games either, but care enough about Persona to be like, I'll give it a shot. Listen, I have no problem with this as long as it's not Star Wars characters. I'm good. That <laughs> one Star I'm Wars Solo. dancing game <laughs> scarred me. Like that was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life. I saw Darth Vader dancing. I'm done. That's it. That was a uh, that was a, what a uh, Kinect game, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my god! They had that like disco remix of the Empire. Solo, theme. Solo. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fucking funny. I'm all about that. That was a great song. Terrible. Why did that ever happen? Because <laughs> money. Uh, all right. The question is, why didn't it happen sooner, really? Why didn't it happen Actually, again? Before, <laughs> before we move on from Persona, Andy, are you going to get either of the dancing games? Um, 
I might because I just got a Vita and I know the Persona 4 Dancing game was also on the Vita. And I, I'm yeah. pretty sure these are too. So yeah, I'll probably. probably pick up Persona 5. I'm actually playing Persona 3 right now, so I might end up getting that one too. But nice. Yeah. Cool. Um yeah, like I I like rhythm games. They're fun. M- me too. Uh yeah, so we'll have to see. Uh, if Andy picks it up, we'll obviously have more to say about it. Otherwise, uh, you Persona dorks, mark your calendars, baby. December 4th. I really hope that this gets the full Persona 4 spinoff treatment, though, where Persona 4 also had a fighting game. Oh, yeah. Um, Made by Arc Systems Works. Yeah, right, right, right. Fuck, what the fuck was that called? Uh, like Persona 4 Arena Ultimax or something. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Per- Arena, for sure. Um, I, I, Yeah, I mean, I wonder if cross-tag battle is kind of replace that like, chance. Like, I don't know, because it's still just the Persona 4 characters in cross-tag battle. Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm wondering if we might get, like, the 3 and 5 characters as DLC for that game, rather than a new Persona fighting game. I've already got that 4 means- shows in there, or 4 things in there, I don't know if they're gonna add those. If anything, they just might put we'll more, say- like, uh, what is it, uh, the one game that's only got like uh, a couple characters in it, they they omitted a few or whatever recently. So I forget. Yeah, yeah. it's the other the, one, the, yeah. the fourth don't least the popular thing in cross time exactly, battle. Yeah. Um, that game is such an unholy alliance of properties. Yes, it it's so interesting. Really is. Um. Anyway, uh, so speaking of new trailers for games that uh, at least one of us was already hyped for, uh, Life is Strange Two got a brand new hype trailer and. Fucking holy shit, how is this game still so close and yet so far? Uh, I'm I'm so goddamn excited for this. So, just like a quick recap, uh, because there wasn't, like, much of substance to this. It was very much like a teaser, and it's like kind of a, let's try to connect dots here. Uh, but, so here's what we got. There is an Officer Matthews, uh, it's 2016, he's responding to a 10-10 in progress, which I looked that up, and it means that there's, like, a fight going on. Um, there's a couple time skips in the video, and then, like, all of a sudden, there's a big gust of wind, and you see, uh, Matthews and his police car get, like, flipped into the street, and then it's just kind of, like, hard cut, and we're gonna learn more at the end of August. And then the game comes out in September. So, I imagine we'll get this one more trailer, and then, you know, episode one's, like, a week or two after that. I think they said it's August 28th. Um, so, obviously, I'm excited for Life is Strange, Huge fan of the series. I already have it pre-ordered. I've sung its praises time and time again on the show, uh, so I don't need to belabor that point. But I wanted to ask you, Thompson, uh, since you and I played Captain Spirit together, did you get anything from this trailer? Like, I was trying to look and see, like, is this the same town? Like, is it all going to be set in that same place? Like, is this maybe going to, like, have multiple stories from all over the world or something? Like, what's the angle? Because uh, we played Captain Spirit over on Pals Play a couple weeks ago, so if you guys want to go check that out, you can. Um, but yeah, I'm just wondering, like, what was your read on this? Did you did you pick up on any, like, nods to what happened in that episode? Uh, well, I'm going to look back over the trailer after the show because I only saw it, like, once, right? And I wasn't, like, looking for any of that stuff, but now that you mentioned it, like, I should look for that stuff. Uh, yeah, the, I, had- I watched it, I think, four or five times now trying to, like, pick it over. Yeah, I had it once right before we uh, we started actually, but the the one thing you know my mind went to um, seeing the car flip over felt like you know like some maybe maybe like it could be a storm or something. I highly doubt it. Some kind of like super you know thing. So I was like, well, eh, the storm thing yeah. from the first game. I get it. Maybe it's like the time skips led up to that moment where he was still going to where he was and all of the things happening. 
uh, you know, affect reality in that way. And then like, oh shit, it's already here. You know, in that respect, like it just pops yeah. in. Yeah. Um, but that was what kind of what I was wondering is like, are the time skips just cuts in the video, or are they actually legitimately time making skips forward? I would think the time skips happening because it reminded me of Arcadia Bay in the background, at least. And then uh, the other thing too is it could be anything from Captain Spirit. I don't want to like spoil too much if you haven't seen it, but it could be like how that ends. Uh, but say like couple years later um in in the same vein as like chronicle you know has like that kind of like feel to it where it's like the, the same sure. the same kind of you know if you get the gist um could be something like that it happens like out of nowhere um too but you know that's that's my first like little glance over the trailer it's only like a minute long so uh, i have to like go back and like scrutinize a little more but that's the first two things i thought of yeah, I, I think uh, the time skip was definitely the thing that stood out to me the most as well. And, like, the, the gust of wind, I was thinking, like, this could be a storm. This could be some kid with powers. Like, I'm really wondering what the extent of – like, what is the implication to know that there's this other kid with powers? Are there a ton of kids with powers? Is it, like, isolated incidents of one kid getting powers? Well, and, you know, like, I don't technically, know. Technically, you know, from the first game, uh, you have you have them, so it's like, this is two people now. Like, so it's it could be assumed... But yeah, that's my point. Yeah, it could be assumed that it's that it's a lot more common than you think, and that people just haven't either, like, said anything, shown anything, or, uh, you know... I mean, hell, like, I made a big point of saying in the first game that one lady says she's a vampire and lived there forever, and you're like, ah, it's nothing, she's crazy. And I'm like, hey, it's two people with fucking crazy time powers and other things now. Like, maybe there's a crazy vampire <laughs> you're like, lady. I, I, you're like, is a vampire really that far-fetched? I'm like, well, That's what I'm okay. saying. It's like, she might not right. have, like, anything crazy turning into bats or whatever, but mm, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Eh, Arcadia Bay's weird. Keep Arcadia Bay weird. But... <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know, man. Obviously, we're going to learn more about this in a couple weeks. Uh, so, you know, keep it tuned here, and we will we'll definitely update you on it. Um, um, get ready. When Life is Strange 2 comes out, I'm going to be talking about it a fucking lot. So uh, now is your chance. Go watch our Pals Play series on Life is Strange or Captain Spirit. Go download the games and play them. Um, I've already converted one or two of you out there to go give it a shot. So please give it a shot. See if it's for you. It was certainly for me and Thompson. Uh, so before we get off hype-ass trailers, World of Warcraft released a new cinematic titled Old Soldier that uh, I think Sean can clue us in on. But from what I was able to read on Reddit, uh, it takes place right at right before the Battle for Azeroth cinematic trailer, um, which we got earlier this year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So this trailer, this cinematic is one of the best that they've produced in a while. And I think everybody knows by now that Blizzard is is amazing at producing cinematics. Unparalleled in making fucking hype trailers like this, you know? If, <laughs> if World of Warcraft ceased to exist and the only way they told the story was through these, I would be okay with that. That's how much I love these. The Battle for Azer- Azeroth cinematic, the base one, is incredible. Uh, Old Soldier really kind of follows uh, Sourfang, who is a warrior who's been around basically forever. Uh, in, in terms of, like, the game timeline, he's been around for a really, really long time. Uh, he's been through hell, too. He watched his son die, uh, and then his son got resurrected by Arthas and then was killed by us. Um, 
and, and you can see that in the the old soldier uh, trailer uh, that that Sourfang is collecting, you know, his necklace or whatever. And Sourfang just wants to die. He just doesn't want to be involved in this anymore. Uh, the Horde has been through so much. Sylvanas is now the war chief of the Horde, and she has gone down a bad road over the last few expansions to the point where she burns the world tree and the world tree is it's everything to azeroth which is the planet of you know where warcraft takes place and for her to burn that down is a symbol that she's not playing anymore she doesn't value life anymore um and given that this expansion is going to involve the old gods again I'm very curious as to how her burning of the world tree is going to impact what happens with the old gods. Because Azeroth is not just a planet, it's actually a... It's like a... It's hard to explain, but it, it it's not just a planet, it's a titan. And the world tree is directly connected to everything that Azeroth is. So how this burning affects Azeroth as a titan and affects the old gods wanting to take over Azeroth remains to be seen. It's going to be incredible to watch. But this trailer, alongside the, um, the uh, what's it called? The, the Sylvanas Warbringer trailer, they go hand in hand. I recommend watching both. It's incredible. I'm so, so, so excited for Battle for Azeroth. I'm really glad, man. Um, I, I Yeah, obviously, like, none of us are... are... Like, I know, aside from Thompson has a relationship to the Warcraft lore, but Andy and I are definitely, you know, pretty novice when it comes to this. But uh, I thought this was a great cinematic, and if you're excited for it, then obviously it's speaking to the right audience. So, yeah, um, it, it certainly looks good. And I'm, I'm personally excited that the new expansion is coming out, just because I like getting to hear about what you and Beyond the Flames are doing. So I'm excited to hear you guys get back into the, the swing of things. Yeah, uh, we've been in the lull period for a few months now, and uh, we're we're getting ready to ramp up. This is this is sort of one of the hardest parts of you know leading a guild, just because you have to make sure that all your ducks are in a row. You've got to prepare for every single boss, all that jazz. So it's a lot of work, but um, videos like this, trailers like this, help maintain the excitement that gives me the energy to do all the other BS that comes with the territory. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, so yeah, uh, obviously we'll have a lot more to say about Warcraft in the weeks to come. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to take the opportunity to kind of highlight this because I thought it was a really, really great trailer. Well, what did you, uh, Tom? Did you yeah. have anything you wanted to add before we moved on? You say me? I couldn't hear. Yeah. Oh yeah, you were like really like fuzzy for the whole time. Um, no, it, this this trailer was really cool for both of them too. Like it, it had me question a couple things uh just because like i haven't kept up necessarily with the lore but it's it's just like interesting to see how characters have evolved and who's like alive still like very few are alive from when i played warcraft 3 you know and god that feels like forever ago and it, for the storyline that they're at it is forever ago so um it's it's neat to see that it's like getting some new life into it honestly it, it really looked like it it reminded me of like the the level of pizzazz and stuff that like the first couple expansions had you know not like pandas just like <laughs> look yeah i don't know how to explain it it looks sure. good you know and i don't even play it anymore but it looks pretty good cool cool yeah um uh, 
while we're on the topic of WoW and Battle for Azeroth, I just want to give a reminder to any uh, Beyond the Flames listeners out there that I will personally high-five you if you stand in the fire while Sean's watching. I mean, it, it happens all the time, so <laughs> it's not like they're, they're, they, they don't need encouragement to do that. It's just... It, <laughs> You know. If there's like oh, so a brazier, they're, they're already honoring Andy. If there's a yeah. brazier, a campfire, any stationary thing that's not a spell effect, Andy's asking for that kind of fire standing. I think. <laughs> oh well, if you do that outside of raid, I don't give a shit. And quite frankly, uh, no, I don't no, 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 during. <laughs> no, I'm asking you to like right at the the crucial moment for you to not be standing in the fire. <laughs> Stand in the fire and coordinate it in such a way that your bodies spell out. Andy says hi, comma Sean. Or maybe that it spells out <laughs> way more raiders than you could have in a group. But what do you have? Like ten of you? Can you spell like BTF 20. for Beyond the Flame as you all burn in the fire? <laughs> you have twenty people. I don't think you could spell out BTF. Ooh, I don't know. You can be creative. <laughs> well, I'm not going to participate in that. So there you go. Because <laughs> you're, you're the one who takes the screenshot. That's why you're the the twentieth man to take the screenshot of all them burning. And it's I don't want to take a screenshot of that. I want to kill the boss. <sighs> oh well. You had to try. Never. <laughs> There's probably at least enough of them to spell an F-U, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Directed straight at Andy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, moving back into some Pete-centric news. Uh, news broke this week that the Spyro Reignited trilogy would operate similarly to uh, how the Mega Man Legacy Collection on Switch has, where only the first game is actually included on f- physical discs for the PS4 and Xbox copies, while uh, Spyro 2 Ripto's Rage and Spyro 3 Year of the Dragon would be available uh, as a download with a code that's included in the box. Um, so, uh, this guy I follow on Twitter, Pixelpar, he's a, uh, breaking news slash leaker kind of guy, uh, great, great resource if you're looking to stay up to date with, you know, news coming out, uh, pointed out that, uh, the Spyro Reed, well, this is his tweet, right, so Spyro Reed Knights Trilogy Discs for PS4, Xbone only contain one game, two and three need to be downloaded, Blu-rays can soar up to 50 gigabytes, Switch cards currently only go up to 32 gigabytes, with 64 cards, uh, reportedly delayed until 2019, I wonder why we haven't had news about the Switch port yet. Which uh, I thought was interesting because I think that seems like a pretty legitimate um, theory. But somebody in the uh, in the comments, a couple of different people, you know, so I don't want to like contribute it to any one person, said, uh, you know, the games are bigger than Crash games. You know, Crash games are linear. They're, uh, the, the worlds are a lot smaller. Spire's all open world, and there's several maps in every game. So it definitely stands reason they would be bigger. But I have a hard time thinking that that you couldn't fit these three games on one one PS4 or Xbox disc. Right. And that, like there might be something to this theory about maybe it's because of the Switch. They're they're remastered and stuff, right? Like the graphics and all that? From the ground up, yeah. So, so they're that, like they're brand new. And... I think that would contribute to the size of it, possibly, especially for three of them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because like, if it was the old game, for sure, you could fit all, all of them on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I... I don't know, like, I know people are mad about this, but I don't really get it. Yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to bring up, is, like, a lot of people... I've seen a lot of people getting up in arms, like, oh, good job, Activision, have fun with all your canceled pre-orders or whatever, and I'm like, why? Because they had to download the other two? 
yeah, well, a lot of people are like, oh, like, this fucking destroys resale value, and, like, I can't share the game, and, like, you know, blah, 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 and, it's, I, you know, it's just, like, I don't know, man, it's just buy it digitally. I don't know what the fuck's your problem. I, you know, I think, like, too, with remasters, the way that re- any company wants to sell them is up to their discretion. Sometimes they're not exactly how you want it, either. You know, like, when Call of Duty Modern Warfare got the remaster, it was like, oh, it doesn't have the multiplayer or whatever stuff that they wanted with the map packs, and, like, there was bits and pieces missing, but that's, like, if it might suck, but it's, like, it's up to the discretion of the seller, you know? It's just, like, for me, and, like, maybe this is, like, coming from a privileged position because, like, I'm a little older and, like, it's a little easier for me to, like, buy games now, it's just, like, I wasn't going to buy a used copy of this game anyway. You know, like, I would probably just get it digitally or, like, I'm going to pick it up, you know, near the launch window probably. And, like, I'm going to get all three of these games. So I'm, like, not super upset about it. Like, if you're someone who exclusively buys secondhand games, I guess I could see that being, you know, a pain in the ass. But it's, like, you know, I don't know. God forbid you pay full price for a game that's not even going to be 60 bucks. It's going to be 40 you know, like Crash was. So I don't well, know. It's kind of let's like, not let's not disparage people who can't afford you know forty bucks for a video game. But like, wait, wait for a sale. You know, it's like yeah. But come come on, used games are a big part of game purchasing culture, and we can't disparage that. This was a problem before when uh, these developers. Well, uh, yeah, when when people were including codes in order to play online. And once you use the code once, it was over, and that murdered the resale value. Uh, and you yeah. see how that went. We don't do that anymore, I remember, really. I remember that happened with a couple of... Like, I remember Dragon Age Origins, uh, when you bought a new copy of the game, you had an insert that got you, like, an extra DLC, like, companion. You know, that if you bought a used copy, you had to buy that character. Yeah, and... It wasn't like just a character, it was a little quest with it, too. Yeah, right. Things like that are are bull, and I don't think cutting out the used game market makes any sense. Although I don't think that's what this is, um, and I think this is probably more. This probably has more to do with the space issue on the Switch that you guys were discussing more than anything. I understand to an extent why people would be bothered by this. Uh, I, I'm not, but I, I guess I get it. Uh, all all you can really do is just kind of accept that for this one game, they're gonna have to deal with that. Uh, it sucks, but that's just kind of what it is for this one. Yeah. Yeah, for, for me, it's just like, it doesn't seem like a thing to be outraged over. You know, and I, I can't imagine being this upset about it. Uh, but hey, that's just I mean, one man's opinion. You guys are lucky to if get If you guys it feel differently. In the first place, I feel. Because, like, you guys have been asking for a Spyro remake in forever. And if they want to do it this way, I, you may not be happy. But again, it's like, you're lucky to have it, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's uh, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, but, you know, if you guys disagree, uh, let us know in the comments down below or, you know, write it into us at the video game pals at gmail.com. And I'm definitely interested in hearing some dissenting opinions. If you guys are really fired up about this and, and you do, like, think this is, like, a, an egregious thing, um, I'm interested to hear why. And uh, we'll talk about it next week. All right, so our last story is going to take us into our meat and potatoes this week. Uh, There are some new experimental modes coming to League of Legends. 
Uh, so there's a space uh, uh, a space North Post who's one of the you know top tier rioters over on the League of Legends uh, boards that I'm just gonna read to you guys to like kind of catch you up on what's coming to the game and uh, that's gonna take us into a broader conversation I'd like to have about um, games as services and kind of uh, online multiplayer games and and the struggle that uh, I feel like they all eventually fall into. So anyway, Space North writes. Hey boards, Space North here with a heads up on a new edition coming to the PBE soon. Nexus Blitz. Uh, PBE is like, you know, the test servers. Uh, Nexus Blitz is an experimental mode. Uh, we'll be alpha playtesting on live for a couple of patches, starting in patch 8.16, and we're looking for your feedback. Let's talk about what you can expect from Blitz, the alpha playtest, and other experimental modes in the future. What exactly is an experimental mode? Experimental modes are gameplay prototypes designed to deliver a different kind of experience distinct from Summoner's Rift, Twisted Treeline, or ARAM. They're also different than rotating game modes like Earth, Doombots, and One for All in a few key ways. With experimental modes, we're looking for something that could last a while, maybe even as a permanent addition to League. Uh, they're not tied to a particular event, and our hope for each mode is that it's compelling enough to play over and over and over again, and to be a regular mode of choice for many players. If an experimental mode doesn't meet that bar, we'll set it aside and explore other ideas. Experimental modes are also about testing the waters and getting early community response before delving into additional months of development to get to a final version. They're works in progress, so expect an alpha-style product with borrowed art that's missing the bells and whistles. But also, aggressive patching to evolve and balance the mode throughout the test. By contrast, RGMs are short-term experiences. Their breaks from the regular gameplay are often high-pressure experiences of permanent modes. Sometimes they're meant to deepen your experience with events like Star Guardian, Invasion, and Project Overdrive. Uh, most importantly, RGMs are designed to be fun for the few weeks they're active, but don't share the same primary goal of being a compelling experience for you to come back to, even if we kept them around forever. RGMs are also polished final projects, uh, products, excuse me. Everything you experience in RGM from visuals to gameplay mechanics to music to user interfaces has been fully developed and implemented. We also want to note that experimental modes won't happen super frequently. At most, you'll see a couple in a given year. This is largely because we're designing them from the ground up instead of customizing and modifying existing modes, and also because we aren't going to stop maintaining those existing modes. The vast, vast majority of the League team is still focused on SR, with a much smaller group working on the experimental prototypes. Uh, so then they talk a little bit about Nexus Blitz. Um, so I, I don't, I don't want to get like too, too deep into all of this, but um, just to like give you guys an overview here, I'm gonna pull a couple things here. Uh, so we've designed Nexus Bliss for those of you seeking a fresh, exciting moments and low-pressure fun. It's a fast-paced mode around 15 minutes in our internal test that emphasizes exciting and surprising moments over intense competition, while still rewarding skills you've learned from other league modes. In Nexus Blitz, each team consists of a duo jungle in close proximity to three laners. The con uh, compact map makes for constant action a roulette of new unexpected events uh, amplifies the fr and amplifies the frenzy even more. Excuse me. Um... And then, uh, yeah, so they explain the events thing. Events are map-wide mayhem-inducing scenarios that kick off every few minutes, granting powerful rewards to the team that wins. Uh, some events may draw from familiar game experiences that many players will instantly get, and others are more unexpected. Um, so, essentially, uh, why I think this is super interesting and why I wanted to bring it up is um, this This kind of crept its way into my, my general lexicon, because it's been, like, a really long time since I've played League. You know, uh, Andy and I definitely 
kept playing it together longer after most of, you know, our gaming friends had kind of uh, moved on to other experiences. But even, you know, I don't know about you when the last time you, you played it, but the last time we played it together was the last time I played. So that was, you know, probably upwards of seven months ago now. Um, yeah, it's which is like the it's the longest I haven't played the game since I started playing it. And, uh, you know, I, I had the thought, you know, uh, when I realized that, you know, when this came up, um, that, you know, I, I thought about, about playing it and I was definitely interested in playing it, but I, I found it hard to justify picking it up because I've spent so much time with League and there are so many games on my backlog right now that I could be playing and, and new experiences I could be having. Uh, and then I saw this and this interested me because it is kind of new. It is kind of fresh. And, and I, I wanted to like use this as a jumping off point to talk about, I guess like not necessarily a problem, but something that like I've been noticing in some of the really big online games of the last couple years, which seem like have really hit a decline recently with the growth of like Fortnite, you know, specifically. And, uh, I guess I wanted to ask your guys' thoughts on how can online games continue to evolve to maintain and grow their player base, you know? And, like, do you think every game has, like, a certain amount of, like, shelf life, you know? Like, do you think games can can infinitely continue to, to innovate and stay relevant? Or, or is it something that eventually catches up to every game, you know? And, like, what is a game that you used to be, like, die hard into um, that you've totally fallen off from and like can you think of a way it could win you back you know and i thought this we have a pretty interesting panel here because like i think sean like you're a a really interesting control because of your relationship to wow right like showing like i think there are games that can continue to innovate and evolve um and then like me and andy's break from from league right is like a great example of like a game that we grew with for six years and for some reason have now fallen out of a bit so I know that's a lot to unpack, but I I wanted to kind of just open that to you guys and and ask what are your thoughts on on this phenomenon, this problem for for multiplayer games in this very competitive marketplace. I I don't think it's a problem necessarily. I think League is, I mean, it's the biggest mobile out, right? Um, and it's not gonna that's not gonna change anytime soon. And clearly, they still have the idea of making their game even more diverse and creating new modes and things like that to increase uh, replay replay value. And so you see something like this, your last league player, seven months, maybe you go, oh, I'll jump back in, see if this is fun. It's fun, you play for a few months, maybe you, maybe you keep playing, maybe you drop out. Either way, they got you. Um, you playing the game and not spending money doesn't even really matter. If you spend money, that's what matters. And I think games like this, um, they thrive off of people who play and play and play and spend money. And that makes it so that you can dip in and and play when you want to and then leave when you don't care. Uh, WoW is a little different in that it requires you to have a subscription to play. And I've maintained my WoW subscription... For the last two years, prior to that, took a little break. You know, mostly, I think most people play WoW in spurts. Um, mm. The average person, the casual, if you will, 
plays WoW when the new content comes out. They consume the content, then they stop. Uh, that is actually more of a problem than what League experience is. Because when people... Everyone who plays WoW pretty much is paying to play. Everyone, at least in the West, in the Western world. Uh, so when you stop paying, Blizzard isn't making money off of you. Whereas in HOTS or even in League... Most people who play, they're not necessarily making money off of them. So I think when it comes to WoW, um, and, and WoW is a different animal because it's been around for like friggin', you know, 14 years or some 12 years, something like that. Uh, I think it's 14. I think it is 14, right? 2004, right? Yeah. So uh, for, for them, it's at a point where more people have played WoW than will have most people have played wow like if you haven't played wow by this point you're probably not going to play and i don't think that there's a lot that they can do to change that i don't think that there's a lot they can do to make wow attractive to someone who has never been interested before all they can really do is lure back in players who used to play and that's why you get cinematics like the one we just watched with sylvanas burning world tree stuff like that that appeals to people who have a history with the game. That's why the villains are always characters who we've already been familiar with. So let me ask you a question then, Sean. Do you think that is the inevitable cycle? Do you think that's eventually what happens to all games like this? Or do you think that's a specific thing to WoW because of when WoW came out and how it's continued to stay relevant in a time like... When WoW was created, games as service weren't a thing. You know, like competitors like League of Legends didn't exist. You didn't have other examples like Fortnite of free-to-play games that were raking in money in different ways. So I think the thing that you're saying about luring back like old players is probably very true, mostly because of its business model more so than the game itself, probably. But do you think that's that's do you think that same problem is true for every one of these competitors of these other examples we've thrown out? No, I I think. WoW is a specific beast, and I, I only brought it up because that's my, you know, that's what I'm most comfortable talking about, and it's what I engage with the most, but uh, I think with any any of these games, if you haven't played Fortnite, and you're an activated gamer, and you play some other kind of game that's a game of service, there's a chance you might play Fortnite, and there's a chance you might spend money on Fortnite, and games like that have a long shelf life because... Again, they don't they don't require every single person that plays to spend money on them. Uh, we've seen we've seen the death of the MMORPG because of that. Because if you don't if you're if you're not subscribed and you're not spending money, those games can't continue to run. They cost too much, and they can only charge you a flat rate. You they they can't nickel and dime you because then people will get tired of that. But with games like Fortnite or League, or HOTS, people love buying skins. And that's a business model that works, because you could easily you could easily in one day buy five skins, which could be any amount of money. I don't even know. But in WoW, yeah, they, they have pets and stuff that you can buy and mounts and things like that, but that's not their main business model. And so I, I think games like League, as long as they're good and popular, they're safe. And they're safe for years to come. League's been around for what seven years, something like that. 
Well, more. Something like I that. think eight. Yeah, seven or eight. It's not going away. I don't. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Or not never, but you know, it's going to be a while. Yeah. Um. Like I still, I don't play League anywhere near as actively as I used to, but I still play it fairly regularly. Like I'll play it a couple times a week, just a game or two. Um. And like. I don't know. I think that's that's where I'm at with it. Whereas something like I don't know. I played so much PUBG in the last year, and now there is that's a great example. There is literally nothing that would get me to reinstall PUBG. <laughs> Andy, dude, like, can we talk about PUBG I, and how it died <laughs> in our hearts? <laughs> yeah, like I agree with you guys. Um, because I, yeah, like, we used to play the game a couple times a week together, and it's just, I'm just not interested in it anymore. Yeah, even yep. though they, they yeah. come out with the 50 versus 50, like, a couple weeks ago, um, you know, our, one of our friends of the show was trying to get me back on, and I was like, nah, I don't really want to. And then, like, they came out with the new map or whatever, and he's like, it's really good, and I'm like, ah, no, I'm good. Uh, it, it's just, it, I think it's hit that wall, for sure. I really think it did. And uh, the hacking in it, too, even the last time I did, was still egregiously just overwhelming, man. People were flying. Like, dudes were supermaning. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. Like, people were actually just like, yeah, like, whatever, fuck it, I'm going to the clouds. I think PUBG, uh, though, is a little different in that they shot themselves in the foot. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. They definitely did. League of Legends, for all intents and purposes, hasn't made a ton of mistakes. And it's been able to subsist no. for a really long time because of that. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, and I, I... They also have never... Like, no one was ever able to topple them. You know? Like, there have been a lot of imitators and, you know, uh, Pepsis to their Coke, but no one's ever been the number one MOBA I mean, besides Lee. I mean, you, you, know? you say a lot of Pepsis to their Coke, but, like, Dota 2 is Pepsi, everybody else is RC Cola. <laughs> sure! <laughs> yeah! Like, I, that's totally fair. <laughs> Um, like there are lunatics just, in the world who prefer Pepsi. Wow! Right, exactly. I guess that makes me one uh, of them. I think but also, League of Legends. Legends. No, you prefer RC Cola, you crazy person. But also with League <laughs> of Legends, like all good things, it, it, you know, you have the crowd from Blizzard who can, you know, pump up the, the original Dota map. And League of Legends originally was basically just Dota from Warcraft Three, and like you, you have a fucking cult following initiating a game base like that that's probably part of the reason why league has always been on top you know it, it started up with that level of enthusiasm you know what i mean um well and it was the only it was the only fucking horse in town right, for a while right right you so know when, the competitors so took a long when time when mobas start coming around and it's like oh here we have this established game from the precursor of a, of a fucking blizzard game essentially you know you know you've got a rabid fan base from from both of them and it's created a name for itself enough to 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 start all this basically so it's never going to go away. It's an institution if it keeps doing stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like league, league is an institution, and I, I think like that's definitely a good a, a good way to put it. But you you can look right, and it's like it's just interesting to see how quickly tides change. You oh, know, sure, because yeah. uh, just a few years ago, league and Dota were the were the two games. You know, they were the two big fucking dogs, and now it's like. They both still have their audience. League is obviously still a really big game, but both of them have seen like their numbers dwindle um, to an extent. And you know, specifically when it comes to like uh, like 
on the competitive scene and stuff too. Like competitive Dota is like not nearly as big as as League, um, and that's that's maintained success despite the the increased competition from uh, from Battle Royale. But like yeah. you know, you look about like. When we when we were talking about a year ago, and it seemed like PUBG was this fucking unstoppable juggernaut, and you know Fortnite was ripping them off or whatever, and it's like we'll see how that goes, right? Good fucking luck. And here they are now, and they're the biggest fucking game in the world by a lot. Like Fortnite is a cultural phenomenon in a way that like few other like aside from like Pokemon Go, I can't think of many other games that have been this uh, penetrative. You know, like Minecraft was like this, you know, it's like it's a fucking moment right now with Fortnite, you know, in a way that like, like even League at its height was not that. Yeah, I I think I think that's true, but I also think that this isn't a ton different than how gaming has always been in the sense that, you know, you're you're always going to get your Grand Theft Autos, right? And they're going to be the big deal. And then there's, you know, your whatever. What's a Grand Theft Auto copy? Saints Row or something like that? Oh, my God, yes. That come out and have their fan base and their fun or whatever, but they're not Grand Theft Auto. And they keep making games in that, that, you know, in that franchise, and they're fine. They're not Grand Theft Auto. Uh, And and, and there's competition in space, you know? And, And it's the same thing as it's always been. I just think that now it's a little different because these games have such a higher ceiling for how much money they can make and when it comes to people stopping playing league the interesting thing to me is that that doesn't necessarily mean that anything has changed for league financially because whales will whale and if you're if you're willing to leave a game that fast for the next new thing you probably didn't put a ton of money into it that's something that that hooks players or, or they got they got their money from you and it's cool if you bounce right. like it's like yeah like like you know if i never played league again they still got you know over a hundred dollars out of me which is more than i would have spent on a 60 dollar game exactly you know? so like how much money does does league need to make off of you for them to have done their job if you will like yeah th- their profit margins are different in that regard sure yeah, I think I think the reason I I bring this up and like presented it like as like a uh, I guess a problem as it were is like I think it's just it's so interesting to me how much like scarcity of software used to drive the industry and trends and like that's just not a problem anymore. You know, like you could you know like Sean like you look at like a gamer like you right like you could subsist off two games forever, probably, right? Like, wow, and Heroes of the Storm, you know? And if you if those are the only two games that you played and you played them, you know, fucking 100 hours a week, you'd be happy, you know? Um, and there are a lot of gamers that have that kind of, like, taste, you know? And I, I think it's interesting how that allows so many of these fucking games to maintain audiences and maintain numbers. But, like... You do see, like, there are plenty of games now that come out that are, like, high-level casualties of thinking they can get in on that market and not being able to, like, etch out a niche for themselves. But then there's still a lot that do come along and find that success. And I just, like, it's so interesting because there's only so much mindshare, right? Like, the reason I haven't been playing League in the last six months is because I've been playing a lot of other fucking games. 
There's been so much else to play. And that's my taste style, is that I like to play a lot of things. I like to get a, a range of experiences. But that never pushed League out of my mind share in the last seven years, you know, the last six years. And I really do think that, like, we're at a point where there's just so, so much content now that, like, at least personally, I often find myself, like, overwhelmed by choice. You know, that there's just so much that's attractive. And, like, how do you justify to continue to just play the same game when there's so many other games on your backlog or on your shelf or that you've been eyeballing or whatever, or that you've got sitting on your shelf in plastic wrap? Hey, listen, StarCraft came out in 1998. I still play that, right? It's 20 fucking years of a game. Now... I told I told you guys before, I'm playing Pokemon Silver. Yeah. You know, it's right. a game I've played fucking 30... 40 fucking times. But I mean, Fighter <laughs> 2 is still one of the the highest played games at EVO. That's what I mean. If, why do you, like you said, Pete, like, why do you go and justify it? Because that game is fucking good. You know what I'm saying? Some games are just <laughs> fucking masterpieces. And, and, you know, for whatever reason, it resonates with you on, like, on, like, every level. You know, like, it's just that good of a game that you can go back and play it whenever. And it doesn't matter if you've done it a thousand times. You're not looking for anything new. You just know that, like, the experience is awesome and you're going to do it again. And, like, I don't know. It's comfort food. What? What did you say? I said it's comfort food. Yeah, well, it's comfort food for sure, yeah. But, like, it's, like, for for some games, like, I'm going to take StarCraft, for example. They have all the custom maps on there and shit, right? So you could play anything, really, you know? And StarCraft 2 is a good example of that because the way that the levels are edited and stuff, they can turn the damn game into an FPS, you know? So it's it's very very customizable in that respect. So when you, you can be playing custom maps all day and never ever play the RTS element of that game. Um, so that's one big, big draw of it. But like, does it make as much money as, as like, wow, or like heroes? No, probably not in the long, you know what I mean? So, it, but you know, it has that <clears throat> creativity to it. Starcraft made its money though, right? That's what, like, yeah. It, but it's, it's put its due in. Yeah. That's the other yeah. thing too. Um, and, and then for, you know, became like a, the national sport of like South Korea, essentially. So like, uh, th- that's pretty big as far as like the moment, you know, that it had. Um, I think we, sure. I think we live in an interesting time for like Fortnite being that. Cause like, I can't wait to see what the next one's going to be. Cause we always have like games that like do become that like cultural thing or even like become huge. And, um, this one really obviously hit like a lot of, uh, generations, you know, the world really. And, um, It'd be interesting to see what the next one is if it's not so like, uh, like wholesome. I guess with the art style and everything. What if it's like Doom? You know, it comes up and it's like, oh my god, in twenty twenty two, it's like everyone's like mindset is like fighting demons in hell. You know, it's that's the yeah. thing though, man. It, it can't be. No, I know it can't it, be. Like that's that's why it's that's why it's Fortnite. You I know, know? It's yeah, like yeah. Fortnite is such a. But in the perfect world, we can live in a heavy metal zone where everyone's like, you know, <laughs> like so you five, don't think in top. You you don't think that. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 or Modern Warfare yeah Modern Warfare 2 and Grand Theft Auto 4 were that yeah I mean you were playing with like fucking like 8 year olds and shit (laughs) sure no but I I don't think that they were that in the way that in the way that um, that Fortnite is no like uh, like when, when I think about like like games that have had the level of cultural penetration of Fortnite are like Few and far between, you know. Um, I, I would say Call of Duty is is I would say fair to say one of them. 
you know, I don't, I don't even think it's any one specific one. I think it's just Call of Duty. Uh, I think you know, Sean Hunter like, Biden was Modern Warfare 2. Yeah, like that. Okay, that, sure. That yeah. was everything. Every single person that I know has played that. Is it like, is it just I, that I, it's Fortnite or is it that we live in a more interconnected world and like, you know, 10 more years of internet has made it easier for that no. to transcend? Like, and we just, maybe the bubble's I, bigger every time. That's all it is. I, I mean, that's it on some level, but I, I don't, I don't think it's that alone. It's that like for, for a, a game like to be as, um, as, as like culturally relevant as something like Fortnite is, it has to be able to appeal to every generation. And, like, I think Call of Duty skirted that because there are a lot of young kids playing it when they shouldn't have been. Um, but most other, like, big cultural moment games are not M-rated games. Like, again, except you have your outliers. Like you said, Grand Theft Auto is a great example. I would argue more than Grand Theft Auto 4, like Grand Theft Auto 3. You know, that was a huge fucking deal. And obviously, Grand Theft Auto 5 is, you know, the most successful fucking... I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, pe- I meant to say Grand Theft Auto 5, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Like that's that's a that that's a moment for sure. Um no no question. But like Fortnite is I think so successful because it appeals to kids, it appeals to adults and it's available on literally every platform. Like it, any any fucking thing you have that can play video games can play Fortnite. I think that and and you can play with anybody and it's free. Yeah. I think I, I disagree with the idea that it that whatever the next big thing is cannot be a Grand Theft Auto or a Call of Duty. I think I think the next time Rockstar releases Grand Theft Auto, it'll probably be bigger than the last one. To be honest, what with about you. like the next Skyrim? That's probably you know? true. Yeah, like, like it, it. Yeah, Skyrim was another one. It, it could that be, was a moment. But like the next anything. one, you know, it, it that involves a lot of killing. But. But here's here's the difference between those games, though, right? Like, all those games you're describing were moments. They are moments for, like, video games, though, not as much in, like, a broader cultural sense. Like, you're, like, like there are probably adults in your life that don't know fucking shit about video games that are aware of Fortnite because they have children, you know? And, like, that's what I'm talking about. It's the same thing with GTA and, and Call of Duty. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Those things are... Well, Mortal Kombat got in the news. It didn't um, matter what it was. People or parents were like, oh shit, yeah, D&D's gonna make your kid go it, satanic. Better watch out. <laughs> that's that's different, though. That's, like, because of controversy. And, like, controversy, like, right. is, like, artificial. And GTA definitely caused some. You know? Every time. But the, the point I'm making is that, like, literally, like, Fortnite is make, just, like, made a billion dollars. You know? Like, because of how many people are activated and playing it. And it's the thing of, like, if there's a child in your life, they're playing Fortnite. And that, like, to me, the only other game that's been, like, that big on that level in my lifetime is Fortnite, Pokemon Go, Minecraft, and Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. No way. You cannot discount GTA from that conversation. That's crazy. I guess GTA 5, yeah, because GTA 5 is, is, is insanely... Uh, pervasive as well but i don't know that like i don't know that that's a thing that like well no i guess yeah because there are a lot of fucking kids playing gta 5 tell you what so yeah i guess i guess that one that one would definitely be in the conversation i i also think modern warfare 2 is in there that's the biggest first person shooter uh ever in that of that type like 
that was a juggernaut. Yeah, and, I, and Call of Duty is definitely um, – that's another one where it's like it's a massive like entertainment franchise, quote unquote, you know? Like it, it had uh, – there's a knowledge of it outside of the sphere as it were. Yeah. But uh, to get it to get us back to like I guess like that you know original main topic and to wrap things up, um, so where where do you guys land on I guess my initial question of like what what are what are the things that a game needs to do to maintain that relevance and maintain that audience? Is it to just keep reeling people back in, or is it? like continuing to innovate on on what's already there and and grow the experience as it were. Um I think that a big part of what like you have to do is just keep doing what you do like specifically what your game does best better than anybody else. Like PUBG was really huge until Fortnite was a better ro- battle royale. And like League is the best at doing what specifically League wants to do. Which is be a MOBA that's accessible but not too accessible and to be faster than Dota. Um, Hots wants to be more accessible than League and it does that better. Um, and Dota wants to be slower and less accessible than League and it does that better. Um, but League is still the best at being League and is still far and away the most successful thing in its niche. And I think that's what we have to keep doing. Like, Overwatch is the best at uh, being a spiritual successor to TF2 with Blizzard characters. It's true. And, like, being the first-person shooter that you can play that's not, like, a military shooter. Right, yeah. Because Halo's not good anymore. <laughs> Even Halo was a space military shooter. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I stand generally with what I said earlier that it, it depends on what kind of game it is. I think when it comes to, you know, if you're, if you're talking about the big dog, all they have to do is just be what they are and not mess up. If you can be... Fortnite and not do anything dumb and just kind of put out generally the same stuff you've been putting out then that's fine. You give people new skins a couple new maps, they'll be happy. That's all you have to do. You don't change anything. Really. But if you're if you're HOTS or if you're PUBG, right? If you're that second or third fiddle you need to make the fan base you have happy but also try to appeal to people who aren't in your ecosystem. That's harder to do. PUBG, they shot themselves in the foot. I think that they deserve whatever happens to them. And their their path is a lot harder because of that. Uh, but with a game like HOTS, they suffer from the fact that they came out later than League. Uh, and people are used to the League style. League is the defining game of that genre. And as a result of that, it's very difficult to overtake whoever's on top. Um, but that doesn't mean that HOTS even has to. Because at the end of the day... They're doing just fine. And so I think that this is a, a, a conversation that's relative to what game it is that we're talking about um, and also where they are on the tier of 
you know, whatever genre it is that we're discussing. But I do think, uh, to your point, that it's very difficult to come in and make big money in a space that's already dominated by somebody else. But I also think that's always been true. I think when you had your Grand Theft Auto, it was pretty tough to be Saints Row or whoever was you know third or fourth down from where Grand Theft Auto is. Um, and that's just the way it is. And it's like that in literally every space of entertainment. Yeah. It's just more crowded now. Because, like, I feel like gaming is interesting in that it's one of the only places where there's not really a limit, you know? Because there's so many, like, players. You know, like, we look at, like, like we were talking uh, about, this week on the Comics Pals, about, like, a bloat of, of stuff on the market. And, like, I think games, it's like, you can just keep putting out more and more and more, and it's just it's just tougher to succeed because of that. But it doesn't limit how many games can be put out because there are so many people capable of putting a hat in the ring, even if it's not going to succeed. That's the same thing in comics. People put their hat in the ring, but it doesn't mean it's going to succeed. I think that's just the nature of uh, being, you know, capitalist and wanting to try your hand. Hey, I can be six. I'm a, I got an idea for a mobile. I'm going to make it and see what happens. You know, I want to take League out. Right. That's kind of how it goes. Roll the dice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So what about you, Thompson? Any closing thoughts? Just watch the battle royale uh, trend, or like like how every other thing goes. If the player base on any major thing starts dropping, that's your time to swoop in and just make a game like in that genre, but like a little different. That's some marketing shit right there, man. Basically, if everyone leaves Fortnite all of a sudden for no reason, for like we're unhappy with Fortnite, time for a new battle royale game with some weird concept. That's like the only way you can get a new game in in these like crowded spaces. You know what I mean? Right when like players are unhappy with the current like top dogs, and like Fortnite has made the lucky decision of not fucking anything up for quite a long time. So <laughs> I feel like at this point it'd be so hard for them to drop the ball. They'd have to fucking drop the ball and punt it in the opposite fucking direction. And light it on fire <laughs> to lose the momentum they have right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see it slowing down too much. I think Fortnite might be about to hit its first, like, real threat this fall. Which one? When Call of Duty and Battlefield drop their Battle Royales. Yep. Interesting. But the thing is, man, I actually don't think that those are going to be a problem for Fortnite. I think they're going to be a fucking problem for PUBG. Oh, they'll definitely be a problem for PUBG. Because that's PUBG's thing right now, is that if you want a Battle Royale that's not a cartoony builder game like Fortnite, that's your alternative. Mm -hmm. And as soon as there's a AAA version of that that's better and not busted, they're <laughs> fucked. I think, anyway. But we'll fucking see. Well, as soon as all those games finally fail, that's when the Comics Pals can swoop in. That's yes. when we put out <laughs> our Battle, Battle Roy Pal. Our Ooh, Battle Roy Battle Roy Pal. <laughs> Comics Pals Battle Royale. I like it. Let's let's fucking go, baby. <laughs> Hundred fucking Andy Brown's on an island. <laughs> Put a hundred Phil Casey's on an island. Compete to see which one has the hottest takes. Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> well, we do fifty versus fifty mode. You know. No. Here's what we do, guys. We characterize on two overcrowded markets. We make a character-based uh, battle royale. You know, and every one of us has a different skill set. All right, if you're a game developer and you want to get it on this at the ground floor, now's your chance. Hit us up. We need talent. Let's go.
Um, so with that, I think that's going to wrap up the conversation here on episode 66 of the Video Game Pals. Thank you guys so much for joining us. It was great to be back with uh, all four of us again. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. If you guys want to help us out, remember, you guys can give us a like and a follow on your platform of choice. If you're an audio listener, uh, head over to o- Apple Podcasts. Give us one of those sweet ratings. If you're a YouTube guy or girl or, you know, um, all right, Phil, edit that out. That got a little bit a little bit off the rails there. Um, if you're a YouTube listener, uh, you can give us a like, uh, sh- subscribe to the channel, and uh, click that notification bell to hopefully get notified uh, when we upload videos. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, all those things are easy for you to do. They help us out quite a bit, so please go do them. Remember, you can follow at the Comics Pals, wherever social media is sold, or drop us a line at the video game pals at gmail.com if you want your thoughts heard on the air. And uh, with that, we'll get into some plugs, and we'll be out of here. Sean? Cool. So, if you want to hear more from me, you can tune into the Comics Pals, which drops the day before this. This week, we celebrated the 10th anniversary, a little bit late, of The Dark Knight. Uh, It is 10 years since that film released, and we talked about how it changed the game for comic book films and answered the question of whether it is, in fact, the greatest comic book movie of all time. Yeah, it is. Uh, no, that's Adam West. Spoilers! Batman. What's that, Andy? Uh, no, that's Adam West's Batman movie. <clears throat> you know, sometimes you just can't find a place to hide a bomb. Some trash is okay. <laughs> uh, and, uh, as for me, right, so. as for me, you can message me, Andy is wrong, at, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Soapbox. Remember the hashtag. Andy is wrong. <laughs> if if your hashtag Team Andy and Team Adam West and Team Quality Things in Life, uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Tiger underscore Millions, where I have blazing hot takes like that one all the time. <laughs> Thousand. You can find me at Relic Vampire on Twitter. Uh, I just took a lot of memes out there and, you know, do stupid things and make a fool of myself. So if you like to laugh and chuckle at dumb things, go for it. Um, I'm also on Pals Play with Pete. Look at that. I remembered. And uh, <laughs> we're doing Detroit because, you know, it's, the troops deserve our love. And, uh, you know, they let me play games about freedom. So I think it's, it's a very interesting way to respect the freedom given. So go watch Pals Play with me go watch it with just me forget pete's even there because i'm the real star of that show right now (laughs) doing all of the greatest decisions all the best detective work and uh just about the best playthrough you could find on detroit i strong disagree Uh, (laughs) thompson's decisions are horrible but the episodes are funny and for those of you who don't, don't understand what the fuck he was just saying, if you're not watching Detroit, he mentioned the troops because we're doing this because we got a request from one of our viewers who's uh, a member of the services who asked us to keep playing. So there you go, Thompson. I decoded your cryptic-ass fucking plugs. Anyway, catch me on Pals Play with Thompson. Catch me on the Comics Pals with Sean. Uh, and catch me on social media at loud underscore Pete. And... Um, I don't, talk to me about whatever. I'm I'm down. Talk talk to me about life is strange too, because that's that's what I'm excited about right now. So uh, hit me with that, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll catch up there. So uh, that's gonna wrap things up for uh, this episode of the Video Game Pals. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see y'all next. Week. Take care, guys. Bye, everybody.
blow. Ref, are you going to let that fly? It looks like, oh, there's a run-in. What? Oh, my God. Rikishi's come out of fucking nowhere. By God. By God is my witness. He's broken him in half.